Hello, and welcome to the Community IT Innovators Technology Topics Podcast, where we discuss nonprofit technology, cybersecurity, tech project implementation, strategic planning, and nonprofit IT careers. Find us at communityit.com. Thank you for joining this Community IT Podcast Part 2. You can find Part 1 in your podcast feed if you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our webinar for May 2019, presented as a partnership between Build Consulting and Community IT Innovators. In this webinar, we'll be discussing the keys to making your nonprofit's technology project a success and conversely, common pitfalls to avoid. My name is Peter Miras, and I'm your presenter for this webinar. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about just sort of this overarching idea of requirements definition, uh, which sort of bridges the process data and technology aspects of our information strategy framework. Um, and uh, one of the, the key things that contributes to technology project failure is just inadequate requirements definition, a requirements definition that's not thorough enough or lacks the appropriate depth or sort of skirted around important business decisions that needed to be made or failed to take into consideration that there were critical aspects of the organization's process or data management that, you know, they sort of knew they were dissatisfied with their current state but not quite sure where to take it. So they had a good, good, notion of what they didn't like, but not a clear enough picture of what they did like. And ultimately, those are key business decisions that need to be taken into account before going to select a technology solution. So requirements definition really uh, are prece proceeded through like this. You, you decide, you itemize and describe the processes, the key processes that need to be supported by the system and what data needs to be gathered in the course of those processes to meet your sort of programmatic obligations or to take advantage of programmatic opportunities as an organization. So if you, an example of a business requirement would be the ability to transfer a case record from one counselor to another within an agency for somebody that's involved in human services. And a technological requirement that's related to that would be the, the ability to have full data encryption, both when it's moving over the interwebs and at rest in the database for all counselor, client, and case data. So you sort of are generally dividing things into business requirements and technical requirements. That's what's most common, the most common experience of technology solution vendors and you sort of have the key data collection points and the reporting requirements baked into the business requirements. So business and technical requirements should be carefully documented and prioritized. Um, and if the organization has a poor understanding of its current business process and data, as I said, or processes are performed inconsistently or data quality has been poorly managed, thorough business requirements can be very difficult to develop. And poor business requirements, as I said, are, are, are a big challenge in technology project success and are one of the leading contributors to projects running over budget and over schedule and are a leading cause of the wrong system being selected and implemented, which often results in what we call a, a lagging, a failure where the system is implemented and rolled out, but ultimately over the next 12 to 18 months falls out of 
use or people go back to doing things outside of the system or perhaps even reverting to the old system. And this is a fairly common occurrence. And that's actually one of the reasons why my company, Build, prefers to get involved with client tech projects during the early assessment and roadmap phases because um, when we first get involved later on in the implementation phase, it often becomes apparent that the organization will need to pump the brakes a little bit and do requirements definition in a more deep or thorough manner before they can proceed to have that successful implementation. And when a vendor is engaged and the implementation is already moving, it can be very difficult um, from a psychological perspective, from a mechanical perspective, so to speak, and costly for the organization to push the pause button. So you definitely want to uh, you definitely want to get that business requirements definition done as a separate exercise before the selection selection of that technology solution. And software vendors frequently tell Build that our clients are better prepared to have successful selections and implementations than any of their other nonprofit customers. And so it's common for us to hear feedback like, I've been working in the space for 15 years and this is the best RFP we've ever received. And that's because our clients have already anticipated, wrestled with, and made important requirements decisions ahead of going into the selection and implementation efforts. And ultimately, what we're all shooting for here um, is selecting software that matches the needs of the organization. Um, flowing through from organizational strategy and goals all the way through to the particular functional area or program that this technology is going to support. And also a much better mutual understanding between the nonprofit and the implementation partner about what it will actually take to successfully complete the projects, including a much more accurate projection of total cost. Uh, so it's never fun when you run out of money and you haven't finished the implementation yet. So really getting business requirements definition and technical requirements definition done ahead of time as thoroughly as is necessary uh, to achieve a successful outcome is very important. So in quick fashion here over the course of about 30 minutes we've covered um, nine different uh, keys to success. So I'm just going to back up real quick and just step through them again and again um, we'll be distributing the recording and the slides after the fact, so you'll be able to go through them at your leisure. But actively engage executive sponsors, identify those business benefits and the purposeful actions that will ensure the benefits are realized and sustained, having good experienced project planning and direction and with good time management, Having a good change management understanding and, and ability to execute that, focusing on identifying and planning for the impacts that will come along with the change, and then le leveraging leadership alignment, communications, training, and support to support to uh, sort of help the change be absorbed. Perform a good risk assessment, especially for larger complex projects. Take a collaborative, iterative approach to building your requirements and during the design and implementation process for your technology solutions. Leverage supportive tools throughout the project to help with informa project information management and collaboration. Again, we recommend and use uh, teamwork projects wherever we can. And uh, focus on professional skills development particularly communication, teamwork, planning, time management, and change and adaptation skills. And then finally, 
really get those business and technical requirements right before going into a technology selection effort. Just a couple uh, concluding housekeeping notes before we get into some of the Q&A. Uh, for more information, uh, including many of the resources that I've mentioned today, you can check out our blog, buildconsulting.com slash blog. The learning resources section of our site, um, slash learning. You can also sign up for our newsletter if you haven't already done so. It's a great way for you to become aware of the resources that we're making available as we make them available to get announcements for these webinars and have the opportunity to register and to become acquainted with when we're speaking at major events in your area. And feel free to continue the conversation with us at any time. You can send us an email from the contact page on our website. You can tweet at us or you can visit our LinkedIn company profile and get to us through that. And just a quick note for the next Community IT webinar, it's actually coming up. Uh, very quickly here, um, and it's a partnership with Aon, uh, which is a cybersecurity insurance provider. So uh, Morgan Grady and Peter Birch from Aon's uh, dedicated cyber solutions insurance practice are going to answer audience questions on cyber insurance for nonprofits, what is it, why you may need it. Those of you familiar with what Community IT has been doing lately, it's been doing a lot of analysis on cybersecurity incidents and incident response plans within the nonprofit sector. Uh, it's increasing area of concern and has all of our attention, so this is a good opportunity to explore one of the things that you can do to help your organization uh, be more prepared for cybersecurity incidents when they occur. And unfortunately, it is more of a question of when than if uh, with the vulnerability rates and the incident uh, levels in the industry today. So now I'm going to go ahead and turn my attention to the Q&A, which we have about 22 minutes for. And I'm taking a look at the questions that have been put through GoToWebinar or chat, as well as the six or seven questions that were submitted in advance. Uh, so, yep, somebody says, uh, or will decides uh, there will be a recording, uh, and the recording will be available in both uh, on YouTube and in MP3 format on the Build Consulting website, so you can take it with you and listen to it as you would a podcast on your commute. Um, so it'll, it will be very helpful for you to review the video. I also want to point out that um, the basis for this webinar was a research-based article that I put up on the Build Consulting blog. So if you search uh, our site for successful technology projects and or browse through the blog. Um, it's one of our more recent posts. So that's where a lot of the information to support the 50% failure statistic and some drill down numbers are presented, as well as our organized reflection of each of the keys to success that we presented today and will be a good reference point for anybody that's trying to make the case for more attention to some of these areas inside of their organizations. So Larry, thanks for submitting that question. and. That's the response. Somebody, uh, this isn't super on topic, but somebody uh, sent in a question in advance if, to ask if Build Consulting has any experience with converting from black broad products and does black fight turning over the data from cloud-based apps? 
Uh, first, yes, we do have a lot of experience with this. Um, although BlackBot has improved some of its products, particularly recently, there was and has still continues to be a sort of ma uh, exodus from BlackBot solutions to other solutions in the market. Uh, again, we recently wrote a blog post on all of the options available from a CRM and marketing automation standpoint, or, or at least some of the more promising ones in the mid-market solution class for nonprofits specifically, so you can take a look at that. I wouldn't characterize BlackBot as fighting to keep the data, but as with any vendor, the ease of getting the data out of the system varies from product to product. So um, there, there there might be some challenges, and I'll follow up via email with whomever asked this question to get more specific so I can provide a more specific uh, response. Uh, somebody asked, what's the best advice for non-technical managers or leaders in orgs to manage successful projects, especially if it's done by an outside vendor? Um, so I would say, just hearkening back to some of my earlier comments, get someone who knows both the business and the technical landscapes and who has successfully led similar projects in the past to help lead and manage the project for your organization. That's one of the most important factors for success. Otherwise, you absorb greater risk through lacking expertise and experience to successfully lead the project. And you also lack um, sort of an advocate, an in, uh, somebody to advocate on your behalf from a knowledgeable position to the vendor, just sort of uh, serving as your partner and questioning vendor decisions and making sure that they are really acting in your best interests and, uh, and helping to develop the relationship with them in a productive way based on the challenges and limitations that the project leader will know are being experienced by the organization as well as the vendor and those types of vendors for whatever that solution class is, whether it's a CRM or a volunteer management system or a accounting system, whatever the case may be. So those would be my recommendations. Um, other than that, for non-technical managers or leaders in orgs, I think this webinar has done a pretty good job of, of covering some of the keys to success that can be applied by any manager or leader, regardless of whether they have a technical orientation or not. Another question is how to be responsive to tech project constituents in the design or development process and how to keep constituents engaged in the project. Um, I'm assuming that constituents is, uh, in this case, used similar to how what we would call stakeholders, project stakeholders, in requirements development. Um, so you want to start with, you want to start early, identify your stakeholders, engage them in defining the requirements um, by interviewing them for the most critical stakeholders uh, to find out what their business needs are. Uh, as well as perhaps for if you want to engage a larger group of stakeholders, you could do that by survey. Uh, then you can further it by leveraging an agile approach in solution design and development or configuration, as we talked about earlier, and also how you perform change management before, during, and after the rollout. So if you, if you engage them from requirements development from the very start, leverage the agile approach, and take the change management items that we've been discussing into consideration, you'll have a pretty comprehensive plan for engaging and being responsive to tech project constituents or stakeholders throughout the end-to-end -end process. And that really pays dividends when you're um, actually rolling out the solution to people uh, as they're already engaged, prepped, available with the, the uh, value, feel like they've had a voice in the process as is appropriate. Uh, one of the other things that I like to do sometimes is 
leverage a tool called a RACI matrix. RACI stands for Responsible, Accountable, Consulted, Informed. So if you're not sure uh, who, which constituents to involve at which levels, uh, sort of putting them into one of those buckets, responsible, accountable, consulted or informed relative to the project can help you determine what communications or level of engagement should be uh, applied to each group. Someone asked how, how to move an implementation from the early adopters to the whole organization. I would say generally the answers to this are found in creating the change management plan, including a focus on how to manage leadership alignment, communications, training, and support across all waves of the rollout. And some of the ways that this includes or could include leveraging early adopters is use the early adopters to help convince other leaders inside the organizations, whether they be in the case of the example I was giving earlier, chapter leaders are just more your power users to buy into the process. You can include their positive testimonials and communications. You can ask some of the early adopters to serve as trainers or mentors for later adopters. And you can make sure that early adopter feedback informs knowledge-based resources such as FAQs and how-to articles that can help lessen the burden on support staff to respond to incoming common questions and issues. Um, it occurs to me to also mention at this point that one of the newer sort of options that are available in the space today are digital adoption platforms like WalkMe that basically allow you to layer uh, training on top of the software products so that they're being walked step by step through the process that they need to implement in the software at the moment that they're actually executing that process. Um, it's uh, We've been working with WalkMe to help inform them about the nonprofit space and help bring down their pricing for the nonprofit market and they've been very responsive to that need and see a lot of good that they can help do in nonprofits, particularly that have system or even just website users that are volunteers or just general visitors and try to help connect them to the opportunities for them to serve or to take actions. So there's a lot of opportunity there. Happy to follow up with anybody that wants to shoot me a message about that. Uh, but the reason I bring that up within this context is um, using the early adopters to test not just the system itself, but also WalkMe training that would be laid over top of the system would be critical to help refining that uh, training. And that's a really good thing to do and helps helps when you broaden the rollout process to to make sure that it's done in a fully informed manner. Uh, somebody else wrote in, we are moving a CRM to new excuse me, a CRM database to new technology, what steps should I take? I think that depends on where you are in the process, but I would start by saying, um, can start by considering the five aspects of the information strategy that you saw at the start of this presentation, as well as the keys to success that we've been discussing, and just determine whether or not you have the internal skills, experience, time, and money to successfully undertake the effort. Um, Without knowing more about your particular situation, I can't uh, offer more specifics than that, but I'm happy to follow up via email. So if you'd like to dialogue about that, um, I can either uh, shoot you an email and give you some. Oh, yeah, I will. I'll shoot you an email and give you something to respond to. Uh, somebody chatted in, would love for WalkMe to lower their prices for MPOs. We would use them, but too expensive. Um, I've actually been talking to them lately about a couple of different relatively newly developed options uh, in pricing from them. 
Uh, one of them is within the context of what they call their growth package, where you can start out with a more limited implementation of WalkMe uh, at a much lower cost. And they've also recently really brought down their prices for um, for the more enterprise configurations for nonprofits. Uh, if you'd like to compare some notes with me on that based on what you've seen with your pricing, happy to dialogue with you on that. Um, and uh, we can follow up together. That's great. Um, I'll share with you the information that I have. Um, I'm also going to be putting out a blog post relatively soon about what digital adoption, adoption platforms are and what WalkMe has contributed to the nonprofit sector and what are the use cases in which it could be applied. So you can keep an eye out for that as well. Um, another person wrote in, uh, we need a new VMS, which I assume is volunteer management system yesterday. Our current one sucks. That's that's a that's tell us how you really feel. <laughs> but it has data in it going back to the 90s. Is migration even possible? Um, well, so much of that depends on what the database is on the back end and what the cost would be to get the data out, transform it to match the format needed for importing into the new system and then load it into the new system. Um, so if it's SQL server and the data model is relatively straightforward, it could be pretty, pretty be pretty easy to pull it out, um, put it in Excel or CSV format in a sort of a flattened out way, um, maintaining any relationships that need to be maintained, and then see if you can import it into another system. It, so much of it depends on what the system you're starting with is and what the what the new one is going to look like in terms of export, import, or direct access to data capabilities. And again, that's another one where I'm happy to follow up via email and will with whomever sent that question is in. Another question uh, that has come in is, what are best practices for managing multiple projects at a time using both Agile and waterfall methodologies? So the best starting point I can recommend for that is to make sure that you have the ability to manage project milestones and associated key products within each project and then across all projects. So. By products, I mean what is supposed to have been produced or delivered by that point in the project. Um, so if you're relatively early in, uh, a, in a, if you're working on an assessment, for example, you could say, well, by this milestone and date, we want to have the current state of the business processes accurately documented so that we can decide for the next milestone what we want the future state to be and how far that deviates from where we currently are at. So you'd have two milestones, one for completion of the current state documentation, one for documentation of the future state, and the, the associated things that were documents or whatever that needed to be produced or outcomes that needed to be achieved by that point. So that, that gives all stakeholders at all levels the most critical bird's eye view into whether or not the project or portfolio of projects are on schedule and producing what they are intended to produce. And having that milestone and deliverable or product tracking as a common approach across all projects um, gives you the ability or greater liberty, if you will, in how you manage tasks in the ways that are best for each project and its participants. One of the things that I've observed and, and other people have observed as well across a bunch of different uh, organizations is that teams in different projects, um, 
can vary dramatically in terms of their collaboration style, in terms of how they manage projects, et cetera. Particularly if you have individual projects that are predominantly teamed by people from one functional area of the organization, uh, they may have dramatically different work styles um, that are equally effective for them. Uh, so a good example is you may see wildly different project task collaboration approaches between, for example, a marketing team and an accounting team. They're generally staffed by very different um, types of people with different types of personalities, different skill sets and demeanors. Uh, that's sort of a classic um, juxtaposition of two different types of approaches within two different types of teams. Marketing team might do very well using Slack exclusively as an example for their project task management. The accounting team wants something much more traditional, uh, task-oriented, Gantt chart-oriented perhaps. And another good juxtaposition might be the difference between a development team and a program monitoring and evaluation team. So you can have different approaches, um, waterfall where the design is all done up front and then the, the development flows from that stages or agile where the design and development are being done iteratively together throughout the course of the project, different tools, um, what have you. But the most important thing in my experience is that those milestones and sort of objectives or pro products are all together in one place, filterable, sortable by project and um, have good uh, status updates on them. Um, and again, that allows you the flexibility to do other things on a per project level without losing command of that big picture. We've got about seven more minutes here. If anybody wants to pop a question into the chat, um, I'll give a few minutes here to uh, allow those to come in if there are any. Uh, but um, again, I just do want to reflect that a lot of this information is available on the Build Consulting website at buildconsulting.com. Um, there's a variety of different blog posts and resources that I've mentioned that are freely available for you to access. There's past, past webinars specifically about software selections, specifically about information strategy framework and information management. So we've got a great body of resources that have been built up and we try to make available in as accessible language as possible to really be tools and resources for the nonprofit industry. So uh, please be sure to take advantage of that. And again, do shoot us a message or an email if you have any questions about your specific projects, things to take into consideration for your own professional development, um, or just want to general shoot the breeze about challenges facing your org. That's great. And we don't have any questions, additional questions coming in. So I just want to thank you all for participating today. It's been a real pleasure to be with you. Uh, we're going to give you five minutes of free time back. And thanks a lot. Take care and have a good week. Thank you for joining this Community IT Podcast Part 2. You can find Part 1 in your podcast feed if you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Community IT does these free webinars and podcasts for our community, and we love sharing our knowledge and experience. If you have more questions or are having trouble with your IT at your nonprofit, please get in touch with us on our website, www.communityit.com, so we can start a conversation or schedule an assessment. Downloading any of our free resources there will get you signed up for our webinar reminders. And you can attend our next webinar in real time and ask our experts your own questions. If you love podcasts, 
please subscribe and leave us a rating to help others find this leadership resource for nonprofits.